0: Fruits of the Spirit for Gentleness, preached in the First Presbyterian Church at Bakerstown on Sunday, March thirty-first, 1974. The text is James, the third chapter, the 13th through the 18th verses. The book of James, the third chapter, beginning at the 13th verse... In the few Bibles, you may find it on page 210 in the Bible. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good life, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. <coughs> but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This wisdom is not such as comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure Then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, without uncertainty or insincerity. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. fruit of the Spirit gentleness. Gentleness. There is of a person present this morning who does not have the desire to be known by God and his peers as being a gentle person. All of us would like to be known as gentle people, but having the desire and being gentle are not the same. The truth of the matter is that it is very difficult to be gentle and to practice gentleness in our relationship with God, with other people, and with ourselves. If understand scripture correctly, it's impossible, yes, impossible, for any one of us to be gentle without the power and the presence of God in the person of his Holy Spirit. We get that idea from Paul who, in writing to the Galatians, says that gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit, of God's Spirit working in us, a spirit. Fruit that is produced only by God's Spirit working in conjunction with our Spirit that produces the fruit of gentleness. Let me explain what I mean. A gentleman or a gentlewoman is an individual who must be courteous. Well, we know how to be polite. Our parents teach us manners. We're acquainted with the books of etiquette. And for most of the time, we do a fair job in opening doors for ladies if we are men and not tripping old ladies as they walk down the street and being generally polite to family and to friends and strangers. But the problem is in being constantly courteous without exception to everyone who includes foe as well as friend. But a general person is one who must be courteous constantly without exception. And you see, this is where it is very difficult. All of us as individuals I think can agree that we do not like to be treated discourteously or ignored or to be confronted rudely by anyone else. Yet, yet, which one of us has not on some occasion found a sense of satisfaction, be it sadistic and sick, from being discourteous, rude, and ignoring someone else? Do you ever catch yourself on the street or in the store or even in church trying to avoid someone whom you want to meet? Of realizing that someone is nearby but completely ignoring the fact that they're present. That's being discourteous. Why do we do it? Discourtesy never proves anything, it never solves anything. It never does anything except make that person who to whom we have been discourteous want to be discourteous to us. That's all it ever does. But why do we do it? Maybe for revenge, to treat that so-and-so a lesson. Maybe it's out of stupidity or ignorance. But all of us plead the same reason, don't we? (laughs) I don't know, I just can't help myself. I just can't help myself from being discourteous to that person. And you know, when we make that excuse, it's more than an excuse, it's a reason. Because you see, that's the heart of the problem. Without God's power in the person of his Holy Spirit are individuals who cannot be constantly courteous without exception to everyone. That's what it takes. It takes the power of God in your life and in mine to enable us not only to friend but to foe as well, extend the smile which is genuine, the handshake which is sincere, and the feeling of courtesy which is real. That's it. Unless God's Spirit, His Spirit, is working in your life, you're not going to be able to have that constant reminder within you as to who that person is that you are so ill-treating. That person, whether he knows it or not, believes it or not, accepts it or not, is an individual for whom Jesus Christ has died. And we do not have the right to be discourteous to anyone whom Christ loves and for whom he died. That person, like each one of us, is a son of the same Heavenly Father, unless he's a daughter. We belong to the same love and the same family. But it's the Holy Spirit, you see, who convinces us of that truth and who constantly reminds us of it and it is his presence and his spirit working in our lives that enables us to be gentle by expressing courtesy constantly without exception to everyone no matter who he or she might be so you see One aspect of gentleness, which is courtesy, cannot be ours or exercised in our life without the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. A person to be gentle must also be one who knows how to rebuke, to rebuke without rancor. Now, that's difficult. Anyone who is a Christian knows that this business of judging others is a little sticky. You've got to be careful. And we know that we should be far more concerned about the beam that is in our own eye than we are about the little speck that is in that other person's eye. Yet, nevertheless, we would be unfriendly, unkind, and unchristian if we did not speak a word of correction to someone whom we know is in sin and continuously exercising the same mistake. I would not be your friend, I would not be your pastor, I would not be a Christian if I saw you heading for some accident and did not call out and try to warn you. Otherwise, though I may not want to do it, I would not be much of a gentleman. I would not be much of a friend or a Christian if I did not in some way try to rebuke those whom I see continuing on a road which is going to end in a total crack-up or smash. I may not like that. And I must admit, for one, I do not enjoy being in the position where i must be a rebuker (laughs) a collector because i know that this is a very dangerous thing to do because as a human being i can either be too lenient or too harsh there is a correction which does not help at all but which only harms further there is a type of correction which is not serving as a as a stimulant but rather as a depressant there's a type of criticism and No matter how constructive we might think it be, it brings nothing but disaster and discouragement and despair to the one that we're really trying to help. We really can't rebuke, you see, with rancor without that person turning with ill will without the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You see, it is only as we ask him to give us the opportunity to speak that word in kindness. It is only as we ask him to give us the words which we should use to express our concern. It is only as we ask him to warm our hearts so that we might get through the message of genuine concern that we have for that individual. It is only as we ask him to prepare the heart of that person so that when we confront that individual. There is a communication between his spirit and our spirit which is enveloped in the total spirit of God that there is going to be rebuked which helps and which turns people around and enables them to find correctness in a spirit of love. I don't believe we can do it, any one of us, without the presence of God helping us. And the reason that sometimes our efforts, no matter how sincere in correcting our loved ones or our friends, is something less than successful, is simply because we have not been considerate and relying on the power of the presence of God's Spirit. No one of us likes to be a rebuker. But ladies and gentlemen, there are some of you who were here this morning and have found new lives in Christ. And now no joy and happiness and warmth and forgiveness and love. Simply because somebody along the line we was willing to take you aside, tap you on the shoulder, and with the power of the Holy Spirit working in his life, rebuked you, but did it without rancor. Thank God for such people. Thank God for such gentle people. A gentle person is one who knows how to disagree, but can do so without bitterness. So often we think that that person who is who is gentle, meek—that—that—that's another English word to translate the same Greek word. We think that. They have a doormat philosophy in that we can walk upon them whenever we want. That's not true. Meek as Moses, that's a biblical definition that comes into our everyday language. It doesn't mean that that man was spineless, anemic, and spiritless. No, no. A gentle person is one who knows how to disagree, how to take a stand and be willing to argue for what he believes is true, but he does so without bitterness. <coughs> and this takes the power of God, because you see, on the human level, what do we do when when we are brave enough to take a stand and, and somebody disagrees with us? Well, we find ourselves in a confrontation and I don't think any well person enjoys confrontations, but those of us who are called upon to lead and to make decisions and to help mold society, we must do that. What do we do when, on the human level, we find ourselves in disagreement with somebody with whom we live or with whom we work or with whom we go to church? One of two things usually happens on the human level. First of all, when we find somebody disagreeing with us, we become defensive. We we, we begin to think that that person is dumb or stupid, which might be the case. We begin to think that that person is our enemy and that we must bludgeon him and batter him or her with the truth until they believe as we do. (laughs) We become embittered, you see, with that person. Or, what is even worse, if that person is uh, strongly opposed to what we say, we usually become embittered to ourselves, and we're sorry we even opened our big traps, and we wonder whenever we're going to learn to keep them silent. And we become angry with ourselves. (laughs) That's not right. When are we ever going to learn that people can love one another, live with one another, and still agree to disagree? We can do that only by the power of the Holy Spirit, you see. That is the only thing that enables me to believe as I believe, and you may believe differently, but still we can love. When we are not threatened by others' beliefs, and when we are waiting upon God's Spirit to either convince us that we are right or to convert us to the position where we can be right. You can't do it, you see, without God's Holy Spirit. (coughs) Also, you can't become angry and sin not without God's Spirit. You see, a gentleman is a person who can become angry. This idea that an individual need not be one who ever raises his voice to be gentle is wrong. I don't know where we got the idea. The meek people, the gentle people in the Bible, were people who could become angry, but they were angered without sin. Now, Aristotle helps us in this definition. Aristotle, you know, who thought that a virtue was the mean between two extremes, said that Being angered and yet still gentle means that you, at the right moment, at the right place, for the right reasons, at the right time, using the right manners, can become angry for the right length of time. And you see, we can't do that without God's Holy Spirit. Moses was a spirit-led man. He was an individual who could become blazingly angry or humbly submissive, whichever was called for, because he was being controlled by God's Holy Spirit. Jesus the Christ was an individual who was gentle enough to forgive a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery that he could become angry with those hucksters who tried to turn his father's house into a den of thieves you say, this can come only from the Spirit of God. And ladies and gentlemen, what this world needs is people who can become angry but still be gentle. A veteran of the First World War in the Canadian Army came from the front one day and he was confronted by another fellow soldier who said, Tell me, what does this Holy Spirit do for you? And he said, He helps me and makes me a gentleman in hell. He can do that for you. Please ask Him. Please ask Him. For we need the gentle and the meek. For they inherit the earth. Amen. Eternal God, our Heavenly Father, please help us along this road in life during this season of Lent to realize that you are not dead, that you are very much alive, you are working, and you are calling us to become people that you would have us to be. Father, help us not to be frightened nor afraid. But help us to be gentle in the spirit of your own Son, Jesus Christ. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be in abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.